and welcome to the Sauk Valley Spotlight Podcast, where we shine a light on the people and places of the beautiful Sauk Valley. In each episode, we highlight the hidden gems and untold stories of local businesses, community leaders, and the people that call the Sauk Valley home. I'm your host, Drew Williams, and today I'm joined by Diana Meridian, who's the mayor of Sterling. Diana, thank you for joining us today. Good morning. Thank you for having me. Yeah. Hey, can you just give us a quick snapshot? Who are you? Who do you love? That is a very loaded question. (laughs) Um, I am a native of Sterling and um, born and raised here. I bought my childhood home uh, back in 2015. So I've lived pretty, you know, it's always been my permanent address. Mm -hmm. And um, I am married to my husband, Jacob, and uh, we have three kids, uh, my son, Austin, daughter, Lauren, uh, they're Austin's in high school and Lauren's in middle school. And they're from my first marriage. And uh, then we have my four-year-old, Henry, who uh, thinks he owns the world and (laughs) uh, keeps us very, very busy. Um, I believe that. And so that's my immediate family. Uh, But I am the youngest of nine. I have 20 nieces and nephews and 25 great nieces and nephews. Wow. Uh, Many, many cousins, aunts, uncles. A very, very large family. Um, And so family is my everything. Mm -hmm. Um, But um, that's just kind of that part of my life. I uh, work for the regional office of education. Um, I think my current title is family and student care coordinator. Uh, (laughs) I think it changes yearly, I think, uh, as as jobs get uh, restructured. And, uh, but that work is for Lee Ogle and Whiteside counties. Uh, we have 24 public school districts that we serve. And, um, but then my newest, uh, adventure is, uh, mayor of the city of Sterling. Yeah. I was sworn in on May 1st and, uh, it's a four year term and it is not a full-time job. Uh, yeah. <laughs> it does not pay anything near even a quarter time job. Yeah. Um, but the but city still, of Sterling still has lots of responsibility though. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Uh, the city of Sterling's always been, uh, near and dear to my heart. And so I'm just so honored, um, and, and proud to be able to serve the residents here. So. Yeah. How cool. So you, you, you mentioned you grew up here, uh, large family. Um, and before we were recording, you were talking a little bit about um, for uh, a season there, you, you spent some time in Florida, but then you came on back. Tell us a little bit about the journey that got you into um, your heart for uh, education. And then how did that transition over into civic engagement? So what's what's the what's the story of Diana and how, how did it kind of get you to where you are now? So. I guess so. My actually, my bachelor's is in healthcare studies, um, so I didn't even start in. Uh, <laughs> I didn't start in education. Um, as a kid, I had always wanted to be a teacher, hmm. um, but school was really difficult for me. Um, no matter how hard I worked, uh, it was not easy. Um, and so, you know, life life happens and everything. And um, you know, I just kind of thought like I was never going to ever be able to go to college long enough to get a bachelor's degree, Mm. um, just because of how, how hard that was. Um, I had went to SOC, uh, after high school or after high school, um, and then, you know, transferred over to NIU, uh, after that. And it was, 
kind of really hitting where it was like, okay, I don't know if I'm capable of doing this. Mm. And, um, so there was a lot of, a lot of challenges, um, with that. And so I had taken a little bit of time off, uh, in my twenties, uh, spent some time with my sister down in Florida and, um, you know, met my, my first husband and we, Uh, got married and, you know, I was pregnant with my son, Austin, and we moved back. I finished my associates um, at SOC because I only had two classes. So I Mm. finished that before he was born. And um, uh, at that time, online education uh, started and was becoming a thing. Mm -hmm. So I uh, was like, I, I really enjoy learning. I've always kind of been a curious lifelong learner. And so just kind of started doing that. And I did, um, finish, finish my bachelor's degree, uh, in healthcare studies. Um, and then, uh, kind of got the taste for it and didn't want to stop. Mm. And so, but I did not want to do, uh, a dissertation on, uh, healthcare administration. Uh, so I was like, what out of the master's programs sounds, mm. um, interesting that I would want to spend that much time, yeah. uh, researching and, and creating. And so, um, that's when I got into education and, um, my specialization is in family and community services. Um, I joke that, um, I, I owe it all to, uh, my former, uh, teacher, uh, Mrs. Garza, um, over at Newman, um, and, and it's a longstanding joke because uh, she was my French journalism and a student council uh, advisor. Okay. But today she is my boss. Um, <laughs> and so I work with her at the regional office of education. And oh, cool. we joke that, um, you know, never did I think that yeah. in high school that she'd still be giving me assignments yeah. uh, in my 30s. Uh, so, <laughs> um, oh, how funny. and, you know, and we go way back um, yeah. when I was interviewing, I was like, I've never interviewed somebody that knew who I dated in high school and like, oh you gosh. know, probably gave me a detention for wearing makeup or something. Yeah. Uh, so, oh, wow. um, but I had always kind of had that love for education, hmm. um, even though it was really difficult for yeah, me. Talk me a little bit about that. You're saying how education or schooling rather, and you know, was difficult for you. Tell me a little bit more about that. What, what was the difficult part about it? Because I'm curious how, how that influenced your, your journey now or how you look back now to support other families and other students based on how you experienced it. Yes. So, um, Growing up, I went to St. Mary's and Newman, Mm. um, and, you know, back in the eighties and the nineties, things were a lot different. Um, and so there wasn't, uh, special ed evaluations that were as prevalent now. Um, when I was a junior in college, I did do some evaluations and I, uh, was diagnosed with dyslexia, Hmm. um, along with some other, uh, learning disabilities. Uh, I don't really consider them disabilities. Um, just the way that I process things and the way that I see the world, um, which in certain instances is more of a, a benefit and, and some where I need a little bit more accommodations. Hmm. Um, but it really has been, uh, 
a lifelong journey and just trying to kind of learn about myself. Um, and I think personally, I think everybody should kind of take time, whether it's learning or your culture or, or just anything about yourself, like really trying to get down to the deepest to what makes you, you. Um, but a lot of times, um, I can try and when, when I'm in meetings with superintendents or, or community leaders, CEOs and stuff, I can kind of bring uh, a different uh, viewpoint and Mm. I can, um, especially with working with families, um, when school staff are like, I just don't understand why these families aren't getting it or aren't understanding what's going on. And I was like, well, have you read that manual? Yeah. Like it's over 200 pages and that's, it's not at a decent reading level. And even if you really wanted to learn the information, it is very, very difficult. And how, like, if, like I'm, if I'm struggling and I know what to look for, um, if these people that you're, you know, struggling with, they might also have something, but they don't know how to advocate for that. So, um, I take, uh, this is, um, how, how I can advocate for, for others, for families, for individuals, um, for students or whoever. Um, and you know, a lot of people, uh, a lot of people don't see me as that. And, Hmm. you know, and so sometimes I kind of, uh, surprise some people. Some people are like, oh yeah, I, you know, how do people, how do people perceive you then or, or your role then? Because, uh, well, when I, when I was at NIU, um, and I had gotten my diagnosis, uh, my actual learning dis or the disability counselor at the school, at the school said that I would fail out of college. Mm. Um, and so I was like, this is your job and Mm. you're working with individuals with disabilities and this is how you're treating people. And so, um, there may have been a little bit of I need to prove you wrong, but at first there was, you know, well, this is it there, you know? So I was like, he's a professional. Yeah. He, you know, so, um, but it took a little bit to kind of be like, no, I can do this. It's just, I need to know what, how I work and, and what, what are my limitations and what do I need support with? Have you always, even from a young age, been someone who's, uh, I say I'm relentless, but (laughs) okay. Okay. So tell tell me about that. Relentless. Well, I, so being the youngest of nine, Mm. uh, I don't really, you know, I, if I want somebody to pay attention, I have to, I can't give up. Um, and, um, there's, I, I'm used to a lot of people, um, kind of pigeonholing certain things to be like, it has to be done this way or, Mm. you know, and, yeah, there's ways things have always been done. Um, but that doesn't mean that there's not another way that, you know, is a possibility. Right. Um, and trying to kind of see it. Um, it is super fun, uh, with communication with my husband, uh, <laughs> because I am a visual person. Mm. Um, and we were trying to hang up Ikea curtains, which if, you are not great with communicating with a significant mm. other. I don't recommend it. Uh, no, just building, <laughs> building any sort of yes. furniture from any store. Oh dear. Don't do that with someone yes. else. You, uh, you need, you need uh, to be alone in a room where you can <laughs> curse under your breath 
and not have anyone tell you, well, what about that? I don't care about yes. that screw over there. Yeah. yeah. And so uh, it was very obvious because he was he was like, just tell me where you want me to put it. And I go, I can't see it. And he goes, I, it's not on. Like, yes, I know you can't see it. I didn't do it. Yeah. Tell me where you want me. To, and I was like, I can't see it. I was yeah. like, I can't tell you because I cannot visually see mm. where I want to have it. Yeah. So I was like, I cannot articulate th- this until I can see it in my mind. Yeah. And so. Get so, out the so, so a lot, Yeah. So yeah. a lot of the times um, when we are working, you know, at the ROE um, I'm, or, or in other situations, I'm like, okay, are we tailoring to people's learning, you know, styles and stuff like that? Are we putting this in different modes of uh, communication accessibility wise? Um, and so that's where, you know, um, because like for me, I'm like, I, I do better when I can see and hear. Mm. Um, and so, uh, for example, at work, um, we have a very large team and we're all over the three counties. And Mm. so, um, emails and text messages get buried. Uh, and so we have an app called Marco Polo that we use and it's a video, uh, audio little snippet. Mm -hmm. Um, and for me now, it doesn't work for everybody, but for me, uh, with my learning styles that actually, because I can see the person, I can hear their voice and it's just not a whole bunch of words. Yeah. 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 And that just get lost. feels more like a personal communication, like a person to person connection. Yeah versus text on a screen. Yeah. And I can retain that and I can remember like, oh, you know, because I value my teammate and I I value what they're saying and I'm remembering, you know, and so, um, like I said, it doesn't work for everybody's learning styles. Uh, some people do need that, that text, um, you know, Mm -hmm. um, and so, but you know, those different modes and just trying to kind of be aware that, uh, when you're working with a bunch of teams and a bunch of people that, some of your communication issues might be where they learn best and, yeah. and how they absorb. Um, and that is unique to that person. Your, your sense of advocacy for others and, and being, being a, a voice to advocate for others. Is that something you've had your whole life or has that been more of a product of your own personal journey of self-discovery of recognizing oh, I can now advocate for myself differently and, and, and it has connected to my desire to advocate for others or or that desire to be an advocate for others. Has that been something you came along with from early childhood? I would say it's probably stemmed from what I've gone through and mm. trying to help uh, other people not have to struggle as much. Um so one of the programs that we have at the ROE, our Nexus program, is something that I created. Um, unfortunately, it's <laughs> I say unfortunately, it's mildly successful because of the fact that some of these programs and systems that we have within our society are very, very difficult to navigate. Mm-hmm. And so, um, for example, like uh 
if, if you're an individual that needs help with a utility assistance program on a good day, that's a 60 page document. Now, if now you have to have originals, you have to have a copy, you know, copy machine, you have to, all these things you, you know, if you're struggling through trauma, if you, you know, have a learning disability, if you, you know, don't have ink in your printer, like there's all these things that can kind of, um, can kind of impact, you know, you might qualify, but if you can't get through that application process. Um, and so what our program does is we work with the families, um, primarily the parents because the schools are working with the youth. Um, and so, but there's really not a whole lot of support for the adults in, Mm. in the home. And so we try to, uh, reduce some of the chronic and toxic stress that's in the home yeah. um, by connecting them to services. We actually do very little direct work with the families. Um, we're trying to connect them to different community services. Um, you serve as a as a hub yeah. and a, uh, a knowledge base yeah. to connect them with the things that they might not even realize mm-hmm. are available to yeah. them. Mm. And then in doing that, um, because I I've worked in grant programs, gosh, Am I going on 10 years now? Um, And so in in doing that, um, some grant programs, if they don't, if they're not at capacity, they can't write for more money. Mm. Or, I mean, I've been in times where it's like, I need to get rid of this. Like I've had actual gift cards to Walmart yeah, and I can't get people to show up just to give them the money. Like, and so um, a lot of these programs, you know, they want to expand, but they're like, well, that, that funder is not going to give us money if we're not full. Yeah. So if we have I'm, improved the need. So yep. this program, um, is, you know, like our slogan is uh, stronger family, stronger schools, stronger communities mm. is, is also trying to build those other community agencies and other community programs so that they are full so that they can then write their, whether it's the state or the federal government so that they can write for more money to be coming to our area. Um, because we're helping that family through some of the application paperwork. Um, because I can't change the requirements of a program, especially a federal program. Um, but what can we do to, to help, um, to help them navigate through that. Um, and a lot of that comes from, it's just like, okay, either if, if it's not something I've personally gone through, um, it's something I've helped somebody go through. Um, and it's like, okay, well, you know, you need to do a Medicaid application. Do not forget your password. Cause as soon as you hit forgot password, you got to do the whole application oh, over again. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You can't like, you got to yeah. do the whole thing over. And so, there's certain things where it's like those little tips and tricks that Hmm. who would know. Um, and, and so, and then also, um, and it kills me that we get people that are like, because, because I, maybe this is like, I don't, I don't know what it, what in society, uh, has changed what shift it is, but where people are like, you're just kind to people because I mean, we've, we've had families stand us up or not answer and and that's okay. I mean, we're still getting paid. We are just there, um, you know, to offer the support, uh, to work with these families, um, that, 
you know, might be going through a lot or maybe going through a little, um, but we walk with them and mm. we, um, there might be things where we're like, if you just did X, Y, and Z, everything would be better. Yeah. But sometimes there are barriers, um, internally, mm-hmm. uh, mentally, f- spiritually where they're not ready yet. Yeah. Um, and that's their life. Mm. We can be there to support and we can, you know, offer like, Hey, whenever you are ready, please know that we are here. Um, but we, um, we don't, this is not strings attached. Yeah, this yeah, is not, yeah. you have to meet this bar for me. Right. Um, how do you maintain that level of compassion and empathy for people? Uh, like what, what are the, some of the personal habits that you do to maintain a, a level of care and concern for these people instead of becoming, uh, jaded, uh, distant, as you kind of alluded mm-hmm. to, is the norm in lots of society that someone being kind stands out now. Mm-hmm. How do you maintain that level of kindness? Uh, so, um, so I, you know, Catholic, um, my uh, daughter, uh, this was a few years ago, she had said something and I said, I go, okay, here's the thing. I can't, recite any Bible verse for you. Mm. I, even if it, like I go and don't ask me to read it cause I don't really want to read it either, sure, but sure. I go, I've sat through enough masses in my life <laughs> mm. and I go, and my big thing is that at the end of my life, I want people to say that I lived it. Mm. Not that I could recite it or not that I could read it well. Mm. Uh, but, um, but that, like my life was that, that people could see that yeah. that people could see God's work yeah. through, through my life. And yeah. that, you know, it's not just something I recite. Yeah. Um, That's good. Yeah. I want to connect a little bit. We, we've talked about your, your professional journey and in, in education and as an advocate for families, how did that then connect you with civic engagement and what was the journey to get you to the mayor's office now? So, and, and this is probably, it's probably, uh, you know, stems from me being the youngest, uh, and not, you know, being in, invited or involved in it, you know, not always being able to sit at the adults table or whatever. Mm. Uh, but, um, I, I may, or maybe it's a fear of missing out. I'm not entirely sure, sure uh, yeah. where I, I want to be involved and I want to, uh, be of value. Um, and I, and, and really this, it's, it's very interesting. Uh, so in 2015, I ran for alderman, okay. uh, you know, for the city of Sterling. I, so there was a, there was nobody that was running for ward two. I thought I was ward two, but I was on the east side of the street Mm. and west side of the street was ward two. Um, But I had already kind of made my mind that I was going to run. And so back in 2015, I ran against Retha Elston uh, for ward one. Um, It was kind of my first like official aside from like, you know, student council in high school. Uh, But I, you know, I'm really good for really good friends with Retha. We ran a very, very good, respectable campaign. Um, did I put as much work as I probably could have into it? No. Um, but well, you didn't know what you I, didn't know. Yeah. yeah. And, you know, and in local 
government, there's really not a lot of stuff that you can research sure. um, to find like what is, I guess, quote unquote, like, um, you learn by doing practice, you learn by doing rather than by researching. Sure. Yeah. And, you know, and so, and I mean, and really with like campaigns and stuff that doesn't really kind of kick off until you do more state stuff. Um, and so for local, you know, elections, it's not really stuff that you can, you know, figure out without having connections. And so, um, so that was kind of like my first taste of it. And, I, you know, since then I had been trying to get on any type of board or commission or Mm. anything. And, um, I kept talking to people, kept saying, Hey, you know, I Mm -hmm. fill out, um, you know, interest forms or applications. And most of these things were to do the work for free, uh, you know, to sit on these boards for free and, um, you know, and nobody, I'm like, what, what do I have to do? Yeah. What do I have to do for anybody to even take a second to be like, maybe. Mm-hmm. And so, um, so I, you know, was just like, okay, I'm not getting anywhere uh, with that. And then, um, I was doing some consulting work with a state agency, um, for some early childhood work, uh, this last year. And I was talking to a few, um, or they wanted us to talk to mayors in towns. Sure. Um, and it's super fun when you talk to, uh, people that are in, you know, bigger areas, um, how they think the whole state works, mm. um, you know, and they're like, well, talk to the mayors. And I go, well, some of them aren't running mm-hmm. again. Some of them are retiring. Um, some are going for other things. And I go, and a lot of them, and, and I was doing uh, Northwestern Illinois. Um, so that was, you know, all from uh, Joe Davies County all the way to um, LaSalle, Marshall, Putnam area. Mm. And I go, and some of these mayors, this is not their full-time job. Yeah. And they're, they're what, what do you mean? Yeah. They're not just the mayor. Yeah. No. Uh, and so, so mm-hmm. a lot of it was, you know, that, but in, in working with that project, um, you know, I was, I was talking to a few mayors and, um, uh, the mayor up in Rockford, Tom McNamara, we were talking and, uh, he asked if, you know, I had ever considered running for a campaign and I was like, oh, well, you know, I did, you know, but, uh, not, you know, not too sure. And, you know, and I had even asked Rita if she was going to, uh, run again, you know, um, or if she was, you know, thinking about retiring. And so I had already kind of done that and I knew Skip Lee was retiring as mayor. Um, and, um, I wasn't sure. Um, but then, you know, I was talking with Tom and like, okay, if I'm going to do this, I don't want to just, you know, pretend or, to not put like a good, right. a good faith effort into this. Um, and so, you know, like I was talking to him, like, what is some tips or tricks or, you know, or, or suggestions, um, that you can have? Cause I, there's, it's not easy to find this information out. Yeah. And so, you know, working with him and I, 
so the election or the election was in April, but I started fundraising and campaigning and stuff in September. Wow. Um, so I, I mean, it was, I would say campaigning is probably the hardest thing, uh, like professionally I yeah. have ever done while still working a full-time yes. job. Yes. Yep. Uh, and three kids and you know, yeah, all the things. Uh, and so because, um, I did door to door. Um, I did 724 houses myself and then the last 680 houses I had some help with. Um, but it was also January to April. Yeah. So it wasn't your fun, Mm-mm. you know, fall weather. It was in the snow and everything. And so, um, so yeah, so it was hard, but it, you know, and anybody that you talk to that does campaigning, they say door to door is the thing that wins, um, whether people seem like they are mad at you while you do it. Um, it, you know, has an impact. And, um, so, you know, I just, it was hard cause it's cold and it's just like, just keep going, just keep going. Yeah. Uh, you know, just keep doing the houses and, um, and so, you know, so it was just like, okay, I was like, we can do this. And my daughter had, uh, asked me because she saw how much I was doing and she goes if you lose this whole thing will have been for nothing Mm. and I was like no that's I go I know at the end of the day I have put my 110 150 percent behind it I go I am more afraid of people not trying Mm. than losing I was like this is not about my ego this is not about winning at all costs. This is about our community. This is about having choice. And this is about our residents being able to have their voice in who they want, whether it's me or anybody else. Yeah. And so, um, so I'm like, this is, this is not, you know, I was like, if I would have lost it, I would have been proud that I was able to do what I did. Yeah. Um, and, and, but, and I wouldn't have, I wouldn't have stopped. I would have, you know, tried to keep sure. getting on a board or something, sure. you know? Yeah, um, exactly. And so, you know, it's just like, I, I want people, you know, and I've had, you know, people that have said, well, like I, you know, maybe want to run for council or mayor. And they're like, but don't worry if I think you're doing a good job, I won't. And I go, no, yeah I don't care if you think I'm doing a great job. If you want to run, do it. Sure. That's what this democracy is supposed to be. Yeah. You know, so the, the people have their voice. Um, and I'm like, I do, you know, I, I go, we need to have, like, we need to have choice. Mm-hmm. Um, we need to have where, you know, it's not just like, well, it's only one person. Yeah. As long as they vote for themselves, they win. Right. And, and because if we have that, it, it creates this level of apathy yeah. where it's just like, well, nothing's going to change because yeah. nobody wants to try. Right. And I, you know, so, so that's where it's just like, I, I'm a doer. Like, I'm not going to ask anybody to do something that I wouldn't at least attempt myself or, you know, as long as I can physically, <laughs> physically do it. Mm-hmm. Um, because, you know, I, I want to be like, no, like this is, yes, it might be hard, but like we can, you know, we can come together. We can, you know, we can create, uh, whatever it is that we want to, but, um, 
you know, what, what can we, what can we do and what opportunities can we allow other people to have? Mm. Um, because it's about creating those opportunities for yeah. our community, whether, I mean, and, and I hope that like, um, you know, cause traditionally in, in many towns and, and communities, it is something that you have that are people that are retired. Um, I am the median age of the resident of Sterling. So I am, I I say I'm Goldilocks. I'm right there in the middle. Yeah. And, but I want people to see where, you know, like, okay, yeah, I have a full-time job. I have a family and I'm doing this. Um, and yeah, I'm, this is, I mean, it's, it's been, you know, I say I'm like, maybe I'm still in my honeymoon phase, but, uh, it's so exciting. It's so fun and it's so rewarding, but if somebody sees me do this and maybe it's not politics that they want to do, mm. but maybe they're like, well, like I could be a ref yep. or an umpire or a coach. Um, cause maybe they like sports. I don't, I will, it would be a sad day if I ever tried to coach any <laughs> team, anything. Uh, I, you know, yeah. I would, it would not, it would not end well. It would be fun, but it wouldn't, I don't know well, that we would win anything. As a, <laughs> as a father of a young girl, as a, of a daughter, you know, I appreciate my daughter having role models like yourself of women in, in leadership and, you know, proving that, you know, Hey, the, the opportunities are there if you strive for it. So I yeah. appreciate well, you, you, you taking this journey and stuff as you've now been in the role of mayor for just over two months now, what do you feel is maybe, uh, the, the next big challenge that's still in front of you or in front of our community? I don't know if I'd say challenge. Um, like, I mean, obviously, our biggest opportunity is the riverfront and we are working towards that. We have been working towards that for many, many years. Yeah. Uh, I have sat on different focus groups and stuff like that. Um, for, yeah, I think the first one, um, was probably 2015. Mm. Um, so almost, 10 years now. Yeah. Uh, and I know that they've been doing work prior to that. Um, I live on the river, uh, like near the Dillon home. Um, and so it's always like, it's always felt like it's been underutilized. Mm. Um, they founded this town along the river for a reason. It's mm-hmm. an asset. And I think that there's a lot of things that we, like, not even just the industrial downtown part of the riverfront. I think that there's even more that we could do um, to highlight it. Um, and so, um, so there's that opportunity. Um, you know, it's going to take time. Um, but I think it's also, um, you know, anytime I talk, and I, you know, we talked about this earlier, anytime that I'm talking to anybody that's not from here, I'm always, you know, trying to talk up Sterling. Mm-hmm. Uh, and uh, I'm always trying to get anybody and anyone to move here. Um, not yeah. that we, we do need housing. Sure, uh, sure. You know, that is probably one of our biggest challenges is trying is getting more housing in the area. Um, but is is trying to talk our community up. Mm. Um, you know, we had, I had Senator Durbin, uh, in town last week. Um, and, um, we were, you know, is there anything you would like to talk to him about? I'm like, well, there's a lot of stuff, but you know, he's our, 
you know, he's our senator for, you know, like up in D.C., like we're one small town. Yeah. Out of anything I like, you know, out of anything I could t- ask him or, or talk to him about, wh- like, what's my ask? Yeah. And, you know, I was just like, well, he's not going to be like, OK, this amount of money goes to Sterling. Yeah, like, yeah, that's yeah. not going to happen. Right. So, you know, I was like, OK, I was just like, I want him to feel like he is welcome here. Mm. I want him to learn about our town and I want him to, if he's talking to anybody like throughout the state to be like, Oh, have you heard of that little town over in Sterling? Like not too far from Chicago. You know, I want him to talk to people, whether Mm -hmm. it's nationally or just, you know, with his state colleagues about our town. Yeah. And that, uh, that was my ask. Yeah. Was that he, you know, lets people know that we exist and because we're, we're not right off the interstate. Uh, I really do want to get more signs. Like we, you know, there's no, there's no sign that says anything about Mississippi park on the interstate. So no one's going to come to that. Like there's things that aren't huge multi-million dollar projects. Yeah. Yeah. That that we could do. Mm -hmm. Um, Mm -hmm. but it's like, that that was my ask for him yeah. was, you know, like, I, I want you to, to talk to people yeah. about our community and what we have here. Yeah. Um, because I feel like that is going to help. Like, it, I mean, it'll be slow, obviously, yeah. if he mm-hmm. just wrote a big, huge fat check, yeah. uh, that would have faster sure, uh, sure. <laughs> impact. But, um, you know, uh, that was where I was just like, that was the opportunity that I, you know, was just trying to get people to talk about it. Mm -hmm. Um, and you know, and and what we have to offer and, you know, cause we are a very unique, uh, rural town. Mm -hmm. Um, and so, you know, uh, our diversity is, you know, compared to the three count, you know, Mm -hmm. Leo go Whiteside, um, our diversity is very, very, um, you know, we have a lot of different populations here. Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, it's, it's welcome. I mean, there's still, there's always room to grow. Yeah. Um, but there are some communities that me even being very white passing Hispanic, uh, female where I even feel sure. like, uh, yeah, how is yeah, this going to yeah. go? Yeah. Um, or where I feel like I need to be careful or cautious. Yeah. Um, and so we, we have that going, our, our culture and our art scene and our music, um, our theater like Mm -hmm. options that we have here are, you know, incredible for a small rural community. Yeah. That's not something that you get everywhere. Um, well, and it's so clear that you, you as a person who's grown up here your whole life and clearly, uh, love this place and want to continue to invest in it. Um, and you've talked a lot, of, a lot about th- different things already, but what is one thing that you still think, and, and maybe it's Sterling, but maybe it's just the Sauk Valley in general. What's something that's still missing from this area that, that, or what's something that you would change if you could? If I could change. Um, so like we said, housing, uh, Housing is a big one. Um, a lot of the families that I work with are um, either high risk families, whether that's trauma, poverty, like, I mean, mm. different, different factors. Um, but and then and then I work with a lot of families that are unhoused. Um, mm. And I'd say probably like 
we, we work with over 200 families, um, three county area, about 48% of them are in transition or unhoused or doubling up, um, is, is our housing. Um, the demand supply, it's just insane. Um, and we have a lot of families with evictions. Mm. Um, it's, it's becoming more prevalent, uh, that people do have evictions and excuse me. Um, what is, so if somebody does have an eviction, what's their path? Yeah. Because there's so few housing opportunities that a landlord doesn't have to take you. Yeah. And so then what happens? And, and our homeless shelters, we had a family, we called six different homeless shelters and we started going into Wisconsin and Iowa yeah. just to try and see if we could find a place. Mm. Um, and so um, it's what, what is the plan? Yeah. Um, because this is, this is not going to stop, you know? Um, and, um, you know, so it's just like, there are, programs, there are groups that are willing to work with families to help them, you know, but it's how do, how do we, how, you know, and so that, that one is one I, I don't know the answer to yet. Yeah. Um, and you know, and then there are some people that, uh, you know, whatever the reason is are nervous about like, if it is kind of a more of a stable, housing situation as opposed to where they have been in the past. Um, and then some of that is also educating, uh, the community and the public as to what, what that is and what they're going through. Mm. Um, and, um, that's probably, you know, that's taking people to kind of open up their mindset. Um, that for some people it's easier. Some people not so easy. Uh, you know, if you've not lived like that before, um, I, I, you know, I dress like this most of the time. Um, I am very, very casual, mm-hmm. uh, because I work with families that are going through a lot. Yeah. And I, if I come off too professional, uh, it can, that can be a threat. Yeah. Puts and, distance between you. Yes. And I want people to feel like, I am a friend and I am somebody that they, you know, can, can, you know, rely on and, you know, and, and feel like they're comfortable with me. Um, and they don't feel like I am somebody that's going to come and just take their kids away. I want them to open the door. Yeah. And so I, um, I'm trying to, you know, portray this as I am, nobody special. Yep. I am just like you. Yep. I've had bad days. We've had where we've been paycheck to paycheck. Um, you know, where it's just like, I don't know, you know, my, my husband was, uh, you know, on unemployment during COVID because, uh, because of a, of a medical condition, he couldn't work. Um, and so like, I, and I'm like, I've always worked two jobs, yeah. uh, you know? Um, and so, you know, I don't want people to think that, uh, that I'm this like right. unattainable, uh, unapproachable mm. figure. And, and even more so, uh, you know, as mayor, I do not want people to think of me as, 
unapproachable. Um, as, uh, as unapproachable yeah. or as something that is unattainable for them. Um, I remember, you know, growing up at Newman and everything and, you know, we had the priests and, you know, and everything and, and even our teachers. And it always seemed like, well, I'm never going to be able to be like that. Mm. Not, not like a priest, but like, I'm never going to be able to be like at that level. Yeah. And, um, there was one, there was one time, I think this was like a few years ago, our, our priest at, at the church, he, you know, at one of his sermons, he was so raw Mm. and so real about his life. And I was like, oh my gosh, he's a real person. Yeah, Like, you know, and I was just like, this isn't like this unattainable, you know, whether it's a profession or a, you know, or, or whatever, these are real people. And yeah, you can do that. Like, you know, you don't, you don't have to be, you know, you don't have to be a CEO. You don't have to be, uh, you know, have tons of money in the bank or anything like that. Like you can do these things. Um, you know, like our, our local big brothers, big sisters mm-hmm. does not have enough bigs. Yeah. So there's not enough adults to, for the amount of kids that they have. Um, and I feel like our community, our society needs to do a little bit more work of helping the everyday person feel their value. Hmm. Um, and you know, we were talking about mm-hmm. like how that one individual was just like, well, like I am, I'm a nobody. And, and that's the thing is, is that you are somebody to somebody. Mm-hmm. And so you don't have to be all of these check boxes right. to impact your community, to impact the youth in your community, to impact, you know, and it's, it's kind of like when people like are saying like, well, we want to have kids, but we got to wait until we have all these things. Yeah. And it's like, well, then you're never going to have kids, you're never gonna be ready. Uh, you know? And so it's just like, so that's where it's just like, okay, you know, don't, don't wait or don't lessen yourself um, because you might be what that one person needs. And mm. it, I mean, you, they might not need, you know, yeah. The, they might not need this level of person. Yeah. They just might need somebody. Um, yeah. and so that's where I think our, our community our society our town, you know, uh, is, is really valuing the individual residents that we have and, and valuing ourselves. Yeah. Um, so. Well, I think you've definitely, uh, encouraged us all a lot just in the last, you know, few minutes of, uh, one, uh, I definitely uh, would be surprised if anyone thinks you're unapproachable after listening <laughs> to this, because you know you 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 wear yourself on your sleeve and uh, in a authentic way. But also just having the awareness of saying that uh, us stepping up is is on one hand about verifying our own worth to step up, but on the other hand, it's also because then we get to be a model for someone else someday too, which is a a beautiful thing. If, um, so thank you for that. And thank you for sharing your story with us, sharing your heart with us, uh, here just last couple of minutes and stuff. If people want to get a hold of you or get in contact with you about any things we talked about, where would you point them? What's the best way to get in contact with you? So there's many ways. Uh, so, uh, you can contact, so if it's anything city related, you can contact the city. Uh, Deb Dello is my assistant. She is amazing. 
uh, you know, I am so lucky to have her in my corner. Uh, and so she can, you know, get you on my schedule or anything like that. Uh, if it's anything ROE related or community education, stuff like that, if it's like the greater, uh, Sock Valley area. So Leo go Whiteside, not just Sterling, um, uh, we have our, it's www.roe47.org. Mm. Um, and so my stuff's all over that. Um, and then I have my mayor, Diana Meridian, uh, Facebook page. That's kind of more city stuff. And then I have my personal Facebook page if you really want to follow me, but you don't need to. Uh, well, if, if we want to see it's more you know, of my family you, and you and the adventures of the kids of the yeah, splash pad and yeah, stuff. Yeah, yeah. For sure. So that's kind of more, uh, you know, uh, I know people that are in social media and things like that. They're like, like and subscribe. Um, if somebody feels the need to go for it, yeah. uh, it's we often go to sleep probably a little too early. Uh, so I don't know how like exciting the life is, uh, but you know, <laughs> um, yeah, absolutely. but yeah, so there's, there's many different ways, uh, that, you know, or, you know, I'm usually out in the community somewhere. Yeah. Um, but sometimes it is kind of hard to pin me down because we do have, uh, three counties that we serve. Mm-hmm. Um, and I do try to, uh, you know, or, either me or, um, some of our team, we try to make sure that we are just on one, um, community. So mm. anything that I'm doing kind of more Sterling focus is kind of more of my time, yeah. uh, with the city rather than, uh, with the ROE. Yeah. So, so yeah. Well, thank you again. Thank you so much for just coming here today, sharing your story with us. Really appreciate it. And uh, thank you for also just uh, helping us know more about your story, but also just the the inspiration of others stepping up as well. Well, thank you. I really appreciate you taking the time to meet with me today. Absolutely. Well, until next time on the Sock Valley Spotlight, I'm your host, Drew Williams, and let's keep finding the beauty of this place we call home. 